the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. Today we are very pleased to have Chip Ingram and Pastor Dave Stone of Venture Christian Church. Venture Christian Church was born when Los Gatos Christian Church and South Valley Christian Church merged in 2007. They further established their new venture as a single unified church by calling Pastor Chip Ingram as their senior pastor in 2009. Today, Venture continues to pursue the vision to reach the Bay Area and beyond with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. In doing so, they've partnered with churches all over the world and with Living on the Edge. Chip Ingram has been a pastor, author, coach, and teacher for more than 25 years. He has helped people around the world to live out God's purpose for their lives. His passion is helping Christians really live like Christians. He holds an MS degree from West Virginia State University and a THM from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's also president of Living on the Edge, an international teaching and discipleship ministry, and has served as a past president of Walk Through the Bible. Find out more about Pastor Dave Stone, Chip Ingram, and Venture Christian Church at their website, venture.cc, and at kfax.com. And now, the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. Have you ever really stopped and wondered why? Not why red lights are so long, or why people don't get along with each other, but the big why questions. Why are we alive? Why did God create the universe? Or us? Why is there so much evil? Why did Jesus come to earth? Why the church? Why this church? Why are you here today? So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're they're different in their nature. But here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die. But this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. 
But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty. But human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible was all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. Literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and... They kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. Well, you might be wondering, why would we spend almost six minutes watching a video before we get into God's Word? Uh, I put some notes, and they're uh, extremely exhaustive. You want to pull those out and not miss a thing. Uh, If you've been with us in the past, I usually have about three or four pages. But the top quote is why I showed that video. People lose their way when they lose their why. You, in about six minutes have observed something that I think some Christians will live 10, 20, 30, 40 years and never fully understand. The big picture of why. In that little video, you understood why God created, his love, his concern, why there's evil, why Jesus came, why animal sacrifice, why that there was this perfect environment and there's going to be another one, one called Eden, the other called heaven. And it began to explain this entire story, his story, we often call history, and you're writing a story every single day. But here's the point. People who lose their why lose their way. When's the last time you ask a question, are you ready? Why am I here? Not a what question or a how question. 
But I mean, why? Not what am I going to do tomorrow, not how am I going to make this work, not who's going to do this, not what school may my kids get into, not who am I going to date or not date, not, you know, what's going to happen with the company, do I need a new job, are we going to remodel something, you know, what about this struggle, what about this issue, those are what questions and how questions and when questions. When the last time you paused and asked, why am I here? Why did God create me? Why is there so much evil? Why did Jesus come? Why is Jesus going to come back? And what in the world does that have to do with me? Three very critical why questions is what I want to talk about as we start a series called Catch the Vision. Because the vision is not Catch Venture Christian Bible Church's vision. This is God's vision. You've seen the beginning. You know how it's going to end. God is at work. He's working all around the world in supernatural, amazing ways. And there's also, I would say, evil in our day like few of us have ever witnessed in our lifetime. So here's our three questions. Question number one is why does the church exist? I mean, you're sitting in one, but not this particular church. I mean, the church in general. Why is there a church? Jesus started the church. He said, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Why does the church exist? Second, why does this church exist? Why is there something called Venture Christian Church in the Silicon Valley? You know, right here in Los Gatos, Almaden Valley area, South Bay. Why? And then the last one I think will be most interesting. Why do you exist? I mean, is it more than I want to be happy, I get a good job, I hope. Why, from God's perspective, do you exist? You ready? Uh, I want you, if you will, to um, open your Bibles to John chapter 1. And I'm going to suggest that the purpose of the church is to fulfill Jesus' mission when he came to earth. The, the, the name for the church is the body of Christ. When Jesus came to earth in a physical body, he had a mission. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. He had a mission. He said, the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. He was on a rescue mission of fallen evil world to restore and forgive. In fact, he said, the son of man comes not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and here's his purpose statement, and to give his life a ransom for many. So he's going to pay for the sins of the world. And we kind of get that. There's life. It's a quality of life. He came to bring eternal life. But why he came, he has a fourfold mission to accomplish that new life for you and me and whoever would take him up on this absolutely stunning offer. Mission number one, he came, are you ready for this? Jot this down, to explain God. Have you ever wondered what's God really like? Right? I mean, what's God really like? Men, women, is there a God? And if there is one, what's he really like? Jesus came to explain exactly what God is like. John chapter 1, if you have your phone, your iPad, your Bible, uh, if you don't have one in front of you, it's page uh, 1048. Give you a second to get there. I want you to, it's not coming up on a slide, okay? Those of you that have gotten used to me doing most of the work, memo. Bring your Bible or your phone. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Outrageous statement. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So what we know about this word is that it was in the beginning. It was with God. It is. He is God. And he created everything. Skip down to find out who this word is. Verse 14. And the word became flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, speaking of John the Baptist, bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I. Why? 
for he existed before me. For all of his fullness, we've received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Now, don't miss verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he, Jesus, has explained him. The Greek word, he exegeted him. Those of us that do Bible study, we learn how to exegete the text. The way you exegete the text is you study, you get the context, you do all this research, and the goal is to explain what it means. Jesus came to explain who God is, how he lived, what he said, what he did. He would say to a group of people, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what, how does God feel about people that have made really, really bad mistakes and the terrible things and are really sorry for it, you see Jesus forgiving. If you want to know what God is like when he sees corruption and evil and hurt, you watch him cast out a demon. We want to see what God is like when we're arrogant and proud and say, I don't want you, I'll do my own thing. You see how Jesus responds to the Pharisees. Jesus came, number one, to explain God. Number two, he came to bring the kingdom. Many of you, even as little children, prayed this prayer like I did. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy, help me up, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I would suggest many of us have no idea what we were praying. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 4. I don't mean that as a dig. I just didn't ever know what I was praying, okay? In Luke chapter 4, we're going to get the second reason he came to bring, he's the king. He created all that there is. There will come a day at the end of all time where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess on earth and in heaven and under the earth that he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. He will consummate history. The king has come to the planet that he made and the people that he's created and he loves them deeply and he's done this, theologians call this hypostatic union where he's fully God and fully man and veiled the glory of God so that he could live in a human body so we could know what God is like and so he could bring the kingdom. And the kingdom is nothing more or nothing less than the way life is supposed to work in God's economy. Right? You go to a different country, right? There's a culture. There's a way they do things. You know, you drive on this side of the road or that side of the road. Uh, The money looks like this or the money looks like that. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, how life operates in heaven, down to earth. Well, how did he do it? Well, first he taught about it. Now, notice Luke chapter 4. The context begins in verse 13. He's just finished Overcoming the temptations of the enemy, the devil. Luke 4, 13. And when the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a more opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues, and he was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And the book, or literally the scroll of the book of Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the scroll and found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Do you see this characteristics of this kingdom? The blind, the poor, the marginalized, the forgotten, the prisoners, not just politically, but the prisoners of their sin, those who are downtrodden, those who are powerless, those that the world system crushes and says don't matter. And he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is a messianic passage. 
Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. I'm bringing the kingdom. If you read the book of Mark, it's the uh, earliest of the gospels written, and it's written for the Roman audience, and so it doesn't spend a lot of time talking about this or that. It goes immediate, 41 times the word immediately is in the book of Mark, and it's like Jesus came, baptized, ministry, bang, and as soon as this happens, you know, the first thing Jesus does, he's bringing the kingdom, and so in the synagogue, the next time there's a demon possessed man and he speaks out the kingdom comes when goodness crushes evil and so jesus says to the demon come out of him and it does and people are going whoa and the next thing we find he he goes out and there's a leper a marginalized person no one will touch and jesus doesn't just speak a word he touches him and he heals the leper and then we have a woman caught in adultery and we have the pain of death and he raises to life a widow's son And Jesus takes the values of the kingdom, humility, kindness, love, justice, and he flips it upside down. And those who recognize their need, Matthew 5 through 7, he says, if you want to know what a kingdom person looks like, they're poor in spirit. They're merciful. They, They have a pure heart. And he says, I have come to bring the way God Operates and the way life is supposed to operate. And remember the little video that had the circles where pockets of heaven, pockets of heaven? That's what he's doing. He's bringing the kingdom to earth. The third thing that Jesus came to do was not just explain God and answer the question, what's God really like? And he didn't just come to bring the kingdom. To help us understand this is how life is supposed to work. But he made disciples. In Matthew chapter 4, after teaching, and we'll talk about how next week. This week is all why. He said to a group of people after praying very seriously and seeing their heart and their interest, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. He didn't say come to a meeting. He didn't say, just believe a certain set of lists. He didn't say that I want you to be religious. He said, a disciple is a follower. I want you. I am the rabbi. I've come from God. I am the Messiah. I'm asking you to align your life, your heart, your priorities, your relationships, your money, your future, and your dreams behind me and follow me. And as you follow me in your lifestyle, I will make you a person that is used By God to bring the kingdom to other people. To explain God to other people. And so Peter and James and John drop their nets and they leave a business. And one by one by one he makes disciples. By the way, we heard a testimony of it will be very different. It's a very different world now to be a follower of Jesus. You you think that what's happened in Paris... San Bernardino, Syria. Do you think those things are going to be isolated? You are living in a day where what it means to be a follower, the reason we're talking about this is you need to step back and you need to go, whoa, why? Why am I here? Why is this church here? Why is there the church? And what's it really mean in our day? I got to catch the vision of a real follower. Because for some, they lose their life. And that only makes sense if there's a real heaven that you actually believe in, not just intellectually agree with. The fourth thing that Jesus did to bring life, he surrendered his life. He surrendered his life. Hey, no one took it from him. He says the father gave the son, but Jesus willfully, instead of retaliating, instead of calling angels down, understanding that when he would give his life, surrender it, then you and I would receive life. And a little bit later, I'll tell you his motive, why he did it. Well, certainly because he loves us, but it's even more than that. Mark ten forty five says, even the son of man came not to be ministered unto or to serve, but give his life. And the little word for there is an interesting Greek word. It means for the sake of and in the place of. Give his life for a ransom for many. In other words, you were ransomed out of sin. You were bought out of the slave market of sin and death. 
so that a space could be created, even in a sinful world, where you, under the covering we sang about it, the blood of Jesus, could have intimate, free, voluntary fellowship with the creator of the universe, who for reasons I have no idea, has chosen to make us the object of his affection. So, what is the church here? It's to complete the mission. I mean, the universal church. I mean, we might disagree on a few minor things and worship styles, but I mean, every ethnic group in all kinds of, quote, Christian groups, there are people that have a personal, loving relationship with Jesus, that believe God's word, that are following him. That's why the church exists. Can we do a quick review? The church exists to fulfill the mission Jesus started on earth. The mission then was to explain God, to bring the kingdom, to make disciples, and to surrender his life. You got it? Question number two. Why does this church exist? I mean, just we need a building to fill up or need some religious people. Why does Venture Christian Church exist? I'd like to suggest the following definition. I believe Venture Christian Church exists to complete the mission that Jesus started while on earth in this specific arena in this specific time. We live in a unique sphere. You live in the most educated area of all America, in the wealthiest area of all America. You shape the world. You don't think of it that way, but we're to complete the mission of Jesus in our sphere of influence, the Silicon Valley and the Bay Area primarily, and then the nation and the world. In this specific moment in history. Think of that. So why are we here? Why aren't we in Texas or North Carolina? Why aren't we in Sudan? Why aren't we in India? Why aren't we in Mumbai? You are here because the sovereignty of God has placed this church in the Silicon Valley at this time with a level of wisdom, strength, leadership, education, wealth, and the most multicultural, diverse place in all of the United States. Whoa. That's called stewardship. That's called responsibility. So it would seem that God wants to take little pockets of heaven into Google. And little pockets of heaven into Facebook. And little pockets of heaven on job sites. And little pockets of heaven for stay-at-home moms. And little pockets of heaven where people are working out and having coffee. All over the Silicon Valley. So how would... Jesus' mission be accomplished in the Silicon Valley if our job is to fulfill his mission in our unique sphere of influence in this amazing time of history. Have you, have you stepped back to sort of, have you gotten numb yet or are you still both in awe and, and, and had your heart ripped out? See, we're, we're getting to where you can, you know, a priest gets his throat cut one day, 14 people blown up by a bomb. Truck goes in over here. You, you know what will happen to you? Like the frog in the pail of water. Slowly, slowly, slowly. You'll hear about people dying here, there, everywhere. And until it gets on your doorstep, you'll think somehow that you're immune. And you are not and I'm not. What it means to be a follower in our day is going to be completely different. And so, are you ready for this? You know why we exist? Venture Christian Church exists. This, this will be very complex. Get your pen out for your notes. We're here to explain God to our world. This church exists to explain who God really is to the Silicon Valley. People should visit our church, know about our church, be connected to our church, and realize, oh, so this is what God's like. The second reason we're here as a church is to bring the kingdom of God to the Silicon Valley and to the Bay Area. They should meet bosses and supervisors and moms and dads who, why do you parent like that? How could you ever forgive your ex after what they did? Why would you spend your time and your money doing that? 
They should meet people that say corruption is intolerable. The sex trade is intolerable. Evil is wrong. And God has given us education, leadership, resources, time, and money that's not about us. We want to take pockets of heaven all throughout. And our church collectively, corporately, is here to explain God to the Silicon Valley in partnership with other groups to bring the kingdom in real life, real time into homes and businesses. And are you ready? To make disciples. What what did Jesus do? He met needs in people and then he taught them and then he trained them and loved them and then he gave them opportunity and experience as they were following him. He said, now you go make disciples. Our church is here. Matthew 28 Jesus said as he left for the universal church and for every local church, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore into every ethnic group and make followers, authentic followers and disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And by the way, don't get uptight. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the earth. So, so we don't come because it's nice or there's good children's ministry or, or the worship is nice or thank God it's air conditioned with how hot it's been. We come here as a group. This church exists to fulfill in our space, time, history and unique city and opportunity to explain God and to bring the kingdom and make disciples and the last one's kind of hard and to die. To die to ego as a church. To die to worrying about what people think or buildings or reputation. And to say, we want to be a church that gives our life away to help other people. Especially other people that no one cares about. We have, uh, over the years, about seven years ago, we kind of codified what this would look like on our journey. Our vision statement, you've probably walked out the doors many, many times and maybe read it at least once. Maybe not. But uh, it's sort of a long statement that has a sort of a preferable future, has a little bit of strategy in it, and then it has the heart of our mission. Follow along. Venture exists to be a catalyst. We don't have to be famous. We don't have to be big. A catalyst to transform the Bay Area from a place of spiritual darkness to a global strategic teaching and discipleship center for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of what the Bay is known for and a transformation of what it can be known for. That's vision. It's a preferable future. And God has done a lot of things along those lines, at least I've gotten to see in the last seven years. We realize we can't do it alone, so we partner with Living on the Edge and like-minded churches who take God's word and what we do all around the world. And then finally, it's to produce Romans 12 Christians here, there, and everywhere. Romans 12 Christians, if you're new, that's our code for a disciple. See, people say, I'm a believer, I'm a disciple, and you look at their life and there's no correlation. Romans 12 outlines from Scripture, if you're a genuine follower, you love God, and Jesus says, follow me and you're following him, I will tell you this, in a moment in time, you've surrendered all that you are and all that you have and said, I'm in. And you're living a life that is separate from the world's values. You have your struggles and I have mine, but your path and your life is separate from the world's values. You have a sober self-assessment. You know what you're good at, what you're not so good at, and where you need other people. And you're serving in love. You are connected to other people and you're meeting needs and they're meeting needs. You have love and accountability and community. And finally, you're supernaturally responding to evil with good. That's Romans 12. Now, here's a little moment. So, just... Some of you are thinking, man, that guy's really fired up this morning. He is. We should not let him get away that long, I suppose. You are living in a time in history where the church, filled with regular people like you and me, will either take a step and be genuine followers at greater cost than ever before, And make a tremendous difference like what we heard is happening in Ethiopia. Or you will be passive fatalistic and you will watch this world continue to change and evil and corruption grow. Both white collar and blue collar and Islamic types. And it will crush what's happening in the world.
And I will tell you, there's a sovereign God that was much at work, who's waiting to hear from a people who would cry out and say, I'm in. So we're doing something we haven't done in a very, very long time. We're going to walk all of you through a process. And three weeks from now, we're going to give you an opportunity to re-up to be a participating member. You don't have to at all. But the world has changed. Theology has changed. But we need to create an army of salt and light, not how many people happen to be here. And so we'll ask every single person to go on the website. After you've heard the third week, you'll see, you know, am I in or not? And, and you'll, you'll learn very specifically, what's it mean? What does it mean? What do you believe? Why? What's the expectations? How can you help me? How can you love me? But how can God use me? And so we have uh, four videos, very short videos uh, we did a few months ago. Because rather than pause and repeat things that many people have heard, we're going to help you on these videos, about 20 minutes, say, where are we going as a church? What's our vision? We'll unpack that vision statement very specifically. Then we'll answer the question, number two, who are we? I mean, what are our values? What is our doctrine? Do I, re- do I really want to get in a car and go to a destination with this group of people? You need, I want you to weigh that, ponder it. Third, we're going to say, how do you get there? I mean, I mean, how does it really operate? What's the philosophy? What's the strategy? There's a lot of people in this room. What makes it work? What part might God have for me? And fourth is, how do you join the team or the family? Each about 20-minute videos, and there's some notes and all the kind of stuff. Here's the deal. I'm not going to teach all that here. If you're interested enough and you really want to be a follower, your assignment, video number one, 20 minutes. And you'll come back next week and go, wow, when he says transform the Bay Area, this is what it means, this is what it means, this is what we're doing. And he, here's the thing. We, 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 the world has so changed. If you don't have 20 minutes to evaluate what part of the group to love you and support you and be in with, then you're probably not very serious about anything God has for your life. And we're going to align together in about three weeks from now. We're going to start on a study to say, the real God, who is he really? How does he long for us to really see him? And we'll do a study on the attributes of God, and we'll have over 100% of all the people, not just in this room, but in our church, in small groups. If you've never been in one, that's great. But it'll be about an eight-week session, and all of us, every, every person who signs up, we will give you the book for free. What we're going to do is we're going to say, wait a second, the world's crumbling. God, we need to know who you really are. Because those who truly know God from the heart are bold for God. They have great strength for God. They find great comfort in God. They have great thoughts for God. And they exude the love and the kingdom of God. And so we're going to re-up. So you need to be in a prayerful state. Last question. Why are you here? Now we know this mission that Jesus started was to give life to explain God, to bring the kingdom. We know that it's to make disciples of ordinary, regular people. Every one of those early disciples were uneducated apart from a couple. God uses ordinary people. In fact, some of you just might be too smart. I'm not sure. But I don't think the Lord will hold that against you. But I think what it will do is there's a stewardship for all of us, what are we going to do with our life? Why are we here? I mean, I mean if, if we just looked at your behavior or my behavior, is it like, I'm here to be happy, I'm here to be successful, I'm here to impress other people, I'm here so someday, some way, people will think blah, 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 blah. I mean, why are you here? When's the last time? My prayer for you is that when you put your head on the pillow tonight, you will just be literally shaken with the idea of answering the question before the maker of the universe and his son who died for you, why am I here? What am I doing with my life? Why does my schedule look like this? What are my priorities gone that way? Why am I so uptight? Why do I worry so much? Why am I so driven? Let me answer this last question. And if you're taking notes, it probably won't come as a huge surprise. But you are here to fulfill your irreplaceable part as a member of his body to fulfill Christ's mission. You are irreplaceable. 
I mean, I have a physical body. Jesus has a spiritual body called the church. You're sitting in a room. This is a local church. Now, in my physical body, I can, I can, I can cut off that finger and cut off that hand. I can actually get poked in the eye. I hope it never happens. I can still function, right? But, but, I, but I'll never function the way I was intended. See, if you don't fulfill your irreplaceable joint, ligament, connection in the body of Christ, this church will not explain God how we could. We won't bring the kingdom how we could. We won't make disciples how we could. And we won't die and give life to other people until every single one of us is fulfilling that role that God has for us. And so can I tell you your mission? You ready? Your mission is to vividly explain God to your family, your friends, and your coworkers. It's your first, that's the goal every day. Every single day. Your apartment, your house, you're married, you're single. You get up every day, your, your life, your behavior, your speech, your kindness, your values, what you watch, what you don't watch, who your friends are, what you do with your money, what you do with your time. You are this billboard. This is what God is like. Imperfectly, of course. That's the will of God for you here in the Silicon Valley, connected in this church. Secondly, to proactively bring his kingdom to your home, to your work, to your school, to your business. For some of you, he's placed you. You need to bring the kingdom to the whole educational system, to the whole world of technology, to entertainment, to children, to the marginalized. You need to dream a dream that's beyond our own self. What's in it for me? Can I be happy? Am I fulfilled? Blah, 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 blah. And you need to say, why am I here? Why this education? Why this role? Why these resources? How in the world? God, how do I bring your kingdom first to my family and to my friends? But where I work, every one of you full-time ministry. You're ministers of the gospel. Our job is to equip you and to help you. We'll do that this fall. The third reason that you're alive is not just to vividly explain God or proactively bring his kingdom, but to intentionally make disciples. Intentional means there's a plan. There's a schedule. There's an outcome. Intentionally make disciples of your children, your friends, your co-workers, strangers, every ethnic group. God is doing something pretty special around here the last two, two and a half years. There's times I'm in services and I think, wow, there's about half the people are not white. Thank you, Lord. Because we live in the most diverse community. This is being translated currently simultaneously in Korean. Currently in Mandarin. And those are the beginnings. God wants us to make disciples. But you know something? You can't take someone where you haven't been. And you can't do it alone, and I can't do it alone. And so we're going to ask you to say, yeah, I'll be a disciple. And I'll, I'll rearrange my priorities. I'll, I'll actually, are you ready for this? I'll make some decisions where my work and youth sports take second to God's calling on my life. I mean, ask yourself. And finally, you will daily surrender your life and you'll die. You'll die. And, and, it's pain. and by the way, let's, let's not sugarcoat dying. When Jesus died on the cross, very, very painful. But Jesus said in John 12, 21, unless a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it bears forth much fruit. He said to his disciples, you can't even be my disciple. You need to completely rethink what it means to be a follower. It's not about coming here a couple times a month, listen to some guy talk, reading your Bible a couple times in the morning and trying to be a good moral person. Ah, that is not a disciple. A disciple is a follower who says, I'm going to deny myself. That's my ego, my agenda. This is what I want on my way, on my terms. I'm going to take up a cross and I'm going to kill that. And I'm going to follow you. Now, here's the deal. Remember I told you that Jesus, his motivation, of course it was he loved you. Are you ready for this? Jot this down in your notes. You may need this. Hebrews 12.2. It gives us a sneak peek into the motivational 
what was going through Jesus' mind as he was struggling. And by the way, this is hard, okay? This isn't like easy, nice, you know, read a few verses. God's going to give you money, answer all your prayers. This is the prosperity gospel. By the way, that doesn't work anywhere except in little windows of time in America where people get conned into believing that you can manipulate God. But Hebrews 12, 2 says that as Jesus went through this agonizing process, knew that his death would bring life to whosoever. It says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And can, can I just ask you guys, because I've been a little intense and you probably need a break. And I'm about done. Um, just recently, what's it felt like? Like you made a, just think of the last time you really made a pretty significant sacrifice. Like maybe you stopped and helped someone on the side of the road. Or maybe you had a friend that was really going through it. And you just thought, the last thing I want to do. And you spent two hours talking to them. Or uh, like a group in our young professionals, they, they found out one of the actual people was, was living in their car and in a desperate situation and four or five got together and they paid off a debt, they got him a car, they loved it. And when I'm around them, you know what, they, what, do you, what do you feel? Do you tell me, what do you feel when you give your life away? Well, what, what do you feel when you make a great sacrifice so one of your kids can do this or do that? What do you feel when you love people deeply and it really costs you something? Anybody? Unbelievable joy. See, the kingdom is, it's flip-flopped. What the world says, it's upside down. Jesus said, give, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, back into your lap. As you give your time, as you give your life, as you care about people, as you live the kingdom way, God pours out grace. And the whole world is thinking, oh, if I just had enough money, if I meet the right person, if I had this kind of car, if I had this kind of house, if we finally go public, if I could own my own business, if all my kids turn out right, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of people that have all that. And they're putting white powder up their nose. There's some that are making 20 or 25 million because they can hit or bounce or sing or do something. The most beautiful, wealthy people in the world, their lives seem to be just on the front of grocery store magazines of tragedy. Now, God may bless you deeply in in some of those areas. You know what? Don't feel guilty. Enjoy it. And be generous with what he's given you. Uh, I'm starting a a little project with my wife, and as normal, she's ahead of me. But uh, we're at one of those seasons where we're asking, kind of what should the next season look like? And I came across a book called Living Forward by Michael Hyatt. And it's sort of a a layman's way to develop your own life plan. And in the early chapters, I'm not done with mine, but I'll be done by five tonight when we meet, dear. Um, In the early chapters, they ask you to think of the, the people that are most important to you. And then he paints this picture, and I'm going to paint it for you. I want you right now to imagine, it's a little morbid, but since it's going to happen, you might as well face it, you died. But you are invisible, and you get to do what most people don't. You get to see all the people who came to your funeral. Kind of visualize, you know, probably family on the first couple rows, friends, maybe some people from work, maybe a neighbor, maybe someone in your small group. So every, you're dead. And you do this exercise. And I just, I just did it yesterday. What would you want God to say about your life when you die? What, what, what would you want him to say? I, I, as I wrote out about a paragraph, I wept. Wow, this is what I really want you to say. And I came to grips with, if I really want you to say this, there's some things that probably I need to address. And, and then I wrote a paragraph. What, what, if you're married, what would you want your spouse to say? How, would, how do you want them to remember you? I mean, what would they actually say about you? My wife was. My husband was. Because see, see that's, that day's coming. And, and none of them are going to say, oh, By the time you die, for most of us, he or she was so beautiful. Or the big company that you did. 
It's going, to be, it's going to be relational. Believe me, I've done this scores of times. I've buried lots of people. And afterwards, and then when you go to a little house and people eat those little cheese sandwiches and tell stories, they're going to tell stories about you. What do you want your kids to say about you? What do you want your grandkids to say about you? What would your friends say about you? And this process is where you actually write that down. And then you say, you know, I can't do this. But I would want them to say these things. So I'm going to now work it backwards. And I'm going to realign my life and my time, my priorities and relationships. And, and I hope it's, I got some time, okay? But I don't know. But I'm praying that when my wife, if I get to go first, <laughs> I, I hope she'll read my paragraph. I hope she'll say, you know... <laughs> That's what Chip was to me. That's the kind of man he was. That's the kind of husband he was. That's the kind of father he was. That's how he led. That's how he provided. That's why he interacted with our grandkids. That's, kind of, that's, that's, that's what he did in my life. I want her to be able to read that paragraph and say that's true. And to do that, I desperately need God and I have some work to do. How about you? Watch the video. We're going to give you a time to get connected um, in some groups early on. And I want you to hit the pillow tonight. Why? Why me? Why now? And then act on it. Amen. Hey, as we close today's program, I have a special word for those of you that are pastors and teachers right here in the Bay Area. October 5th and 6th this fall, myself, Pastor Dave Stone, Claude Alexander, and Lance Witt are going to do a two-day conference to help people communicate God's Word. It's called Preach the Word, and all the information, October 5 and 6, is at preachtheword.cc. You know what? Send your pastor. It'll help him, and it'll help your church. Preach the word.cc. See you there. You've been listening to Pastor Dave Stone and Pastor Chip Ingram of the Venture Christian Church on the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday message. Find out more about today's speakers at venture.cc or at our website, kfax.com, where you can also find links to podcasts of this program. I'm Mike Matthews. Join us here again next week for the Ministry of the Week Sunday message on AM 1100 KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.